I remember when I was a <clears throat> high school a teenager. And I, of course, you know, sometimes our teens from our school will say, you know, Father Brian, they'll come to confession and they'll say, sometimes I'm bored at Mass. So I'll give them a really hard penance. Now I remember that. I remember going to Mass my whole life and not really understanding it. Very honestly, not really understanding what was going on. And I remember when I hit about my senior year of high school, in my home parish, there is, there's this large crucifix. And I didn't know what it meant. I was raised Catholic, and I knew, and maybe this is still true, I knew that God was speaking to me somehow there, but I didn't understand yet. There was, however, something about the crucifixion that spoke into the depths of my heart. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And today is, is one of the most mysterious, one of the most beautiful days uh, that we have. And today the Word of God enters into silence. Crucifixion, I think you all know this, but I think it's important for us to think about this. Crucifixion is a horrifically ugly thing. More than most of us care to think about. In our churches today, for obvious reasons, we put a loincloth on Jesus. But Jesus was crucified naked. The Romans knew how to humiliate people. And crucifixion was very carefully designed to publicly humiliate their enemies. Jesus was placed in a place just outside of Jerusalem that lots of people would see, lots of people would pass by. Crucifixion victims were stripped naked. They oftentimes lost control of their bodily functions on the cross. Crucifixion victims went through so much pain that we know it was commonplace that they would curse the most vile things you have ever heard in your life. And it was commonplace for soldiers to cut out the tongues of crucifixion victims to silence them. And Jesus, as he hangs naked without shame, he doesn't curse, but he blesses. He doesn't condemn, but he forgives. Truly magnificent. Jesus was so beat up by the time he got to the cross that by the time he dies, Pilate is amazed that he's dead. Because again, the Romans had engineered crucifixions, had mastered it to such a degree 
to inflict as much pain as possible so that you would die a very slow death, oftentimes lasting for days. Crucifixion victims would drown on the fluid that filled up their lungs. Jesus, as he hangs on the cross, has to press up on the nails in order to speak. We don't like to think about that, but we should. His words today where he gives his mother to us, to St. John, but to us as Christians, and all the other words he uttered on the cross were very intentional. And they cost him a great deal. I didn't know any of that when I was in high school. I didn't know what the meaning of what crucifixion was. I didn't know. And Jesus, maybe in some ways I still don't. But Jesus' greatest word, Jesus Christ is the word of God. He is everything that God the Father wanted to say to you and to me. And Jesus' greatest word, brothers and sisters, his greatest utterance for us is what he did today. And so, brothers and sisters, the liturgy for today's, it's not a mass, but today's liturgy, the church says to priests that if they prefer, they may give a short homily. I will try to be obedient. I want to offer for you two brief reflections, two ideas, two images that the scripture and the church give us about what happened today on the day of our redemption. They are only images. They are not complete. The word that Jesus gives us at his death, I hope you'll spend the rest of your life meditating with. The first image today is that Jesus conquers. Sometimes if you look at an icon, you'll see on the edges of an icon of Christ, you'll see four sets of letters. You'll see an I in what looks like a C, an X that looks like a C, but it's an, uh, an S. So I, C, X, C, and what that is, that's the name of Jesus. That's Jesus Christ in Greek, of course. And then below, oftentimes, you'll see what looks like Nika, N-I-K-A. And I love it when, it when icons have that. Some hosts, when we offer Mass, there are some hosts that have those letters on, uh, on the host. And the Nika is where we get the word Nike. It's the Greek word that means the conqueror. Nikao or Nikain in Greek means to conquer. And the cross, the New Testament tells us, the cross is the place where Jesus Christ is the conqueror. Amen. No one would have thought that that day. 
No one would look at Jesus naked and ashamed, humiliated and crucified as a conqueror. No one. St. Paul says this in Colossians 2. He says, You were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. But God made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, having canceled the bond which stood against us. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And here's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. You see, the principalities and powers that Paul mentions are demons. And Paul uses a, a word here, he says he triumphed. And what that means is that that's a technical word when a a military conqueror returned to Rome when he had won a major battle, a huge victory. He would return to Rome and there was a Roman triumphal parade celebrating his victory. And what he would do in that parade is he would have, in chains behind him, he would carry the strongest enemy soldiers. And he would show them off to the crowd as proof of his greatness. And Paul says that's what happened on the cross. That in the public humiliation of Jesus, the world was turned upside down. That in fact, this tortured and crucified man is the conqueror. And in his loving death, he publicly humiliated the demons that tormented us. Jesus Christ, the conqueror. He also conquered all of my lies. The cross reveals, brothers and sisters, it reveals all the falsehoods that we worship. In my life, I am so tempted to worship comfort and pleasure and power. I am so tempted to worship my vanity and my pride. I am tempted to worship love as a feeling. All of my lies, all of the things I think life are about, all the things I think are beautiful and worthy of pursuing, the cross conquers all of them. Jesus, when I see you on the cross, I know that I am a liar. I know that I have pursued things that are false. I know that all those things that I think will fulfill me are nothing but false idols. Jesus Christ, the conqueror.
The second image, brothers and sisters, that the scriptures and the church give us, they have to do with Jesus being the founder of a new humanity. What do I mean by that? The New Testament is adamant that Jesus is the new Adam. The old Adam, in 1 Corinthians 15, Romans 5, talk about this, that you and I are just like Adam. We don't trust God. We tend to be disobedient. We want to do only the things that we want to do. But Jesus is the new Adam. And on the cross today, brothers and sisters, such good news. Today on the cross, Jesus Christ makes all creation new. By taking on a human nature and by accepting crucifixion, Jesus, his death was the death of the old world. The old world died on the cross with Christ so that a new one might be born. Jesus is the new Adam. All of our no's, sin is a no, right? When We all know that God asks us to live in holiness, in love, in humility, in faith, and in hope. And sin is a no to God. When I sin, I say, no, I know a better way. And on the cross, Jesus took my no, my no to the Father, and he drew it into his yes. When you go to Rome, we'll all have to go. I'm promising a lot of trips, but we all have to go to Rome. There's a church there called the Church of St. Clement. There's a very famous mosaic in that church. And if Jesus is the new Adam, the Church of St. Clement understands that. And in the center of this mosaic, there's, it's just stunning and so beautiful. The cross has all these beautiful vines and vegetation flowing out from it. Why does it have that? There's something similar if you go to St. Catherine of Siena here in Denver, over on Federal Boulevard. Around the cross, it just looks nice. There's all these kind of flower motifs and vines. And the reason, brothers and sisters, that these churches did that is because of what Jesus says on the cross to the good thief. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Brothers and sisters, Jesus' cross does not just mean the death of the old world. In Jesus' loving obedience to the Father and his pouring out his life unto death, he recreates the world. He makes all things new. He brings us back to Eden. In Eden, there are two trees. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which our first parents, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God and ate of. But there's another tree, 
There's the tree of life. Brothers and sisters, the cross of Jesus Christ is the tree of life. It is the thing that restores paradise to humanity. It is the place where the new Adam, the new founder of those who are made new, said yes to God. So that you and I can re-enter Eden. Which means this. Today as we go through this liturgy, that is your story and that is my story. Today on the cross, Jesus conquered the demons that held you captive. He conquered them and he publicly humiliated them. And now the victory to be won, brothers and sisters, the thing to be made new is all the world, but it begins with you. Go home today, read Romans 5, read 1 Corinthians 15, read Colossians chapter 3. Because of your baptism, you died with Christ. And your sinfulness died with him on the cross. And now you are called to be a new creation. Finally today in my very short homily, I want to leave you with a, just a brief paragraph from St. Bernard of Clairvaux. And this is such hope. Brothers and sisters, I worry every day about my salvation. And I wonder, and I say, Jesus, could you really love me? I know you're good. I know you're infinitely good. But my sin is ugly and it's bad. And I am not just a Christian. I'm a priest. And so my sin is worse. I, who am called to a greater holiness have fallen more than others. Jesus, could you love me? Could your redemption still be real? St. Bernard says this. He says, My merit comes from his mercy, for I do not lack merit so long as he does not lack pity. And if the Lord's mercies are many, then I am rich in merits. Hear that again. If the Lord's mercies are many, then I am rich in merits. For even if I am aware of many sins, what does it matter? Where sin abounded, grace has overflowed. And if the Lord's mercies are from all ages forever, I too, even I, will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Will I not sing of my own righteousness? No, Lord, I shall be mindful only of your righteousness. And yet your righteousness too is my own. For God has made you my righteousness. Praise be Jesus Christ.